Hey, this is Steve Hernandez, host of the Waterwise Pro Podcast. I thank you for joining me. This is episode number nine. Uh, we're going to talk about networking at first, okay? Um, but then we're going to get into disinfection, uh, mainly with the uh, three different forms of uh, chlorine, right? The liquid, the gas, and the solid, right? So um, let's talk about uh, networking, okay? So next week is the uh, Cal Nevada Spring Conference, right, uh, up in Sacramento. I'm going to it. I always try to go to as many conferences as I can. Um, the very first time I went to a conference totally opened my eyes and uh, and um, just kind of my mind to possibilities in the industry, uh, opportunities, uh, what's going on, different uh, different technologies that are going on, and uh, kind of up and coming just uh, just new concepts and stuff. So uh, I urge you guys to get out to go to those conferences. I know maybe the spouses don't like us being gone for a couple of days, but it's really really imperative that you guys go. Uh, try to uh, you know uh, get the supervisor to approve. We budget for that stuff uh, as a manager. You know, been doing this stuff for you know ten and a half years in management. We budget every year for tuition reimbursement. We we budget every year for personal training, stuff like that. So if your managers uh, not um, asking you if you want to go, ask them. Right, ask them. Say hey, uh, I heard this conference is going on. Um, whether it be in state, out of state, whatever it is, um, we budget for that stuff. So um, when they say that they uh, don't have money. Um, just, you know, at least ask, okay. At least ask, um, don't be a jerk about it or whatever, but, uh, just know that, um, we, um, we set aside money so that you guys can get trained up and, and, uh, you know, just see what else is going out there. You know, and I'll, I know a lot of agencies aren't supportive of that stuff. And so, you know, if it just seems like you're kind of going around in circles, getting approval for this stuff, you might even want to just see if you can, um, uh, do it on your own dime, okay? I know it's it, it can be kind of pricey going to these um, annual conferences or the uh, uh, spring conference, fall conferences, stuff like that. But you can you can volunteer too. So I know like uh, with Cal Nevada or even AWWA, if you uh, if you what do you call it? If you uh, volunteer, they'll comp your whole registration. Now don't quote me on that for sure, but like I know uh, opportunities have come up in the past. They're looking for volunteers, and that's like checking people in and out of the classrooms. Um, they'll comp your, uh, your registration, which is dope, you know? And so, um, always check that out as an opportunity. Um, just get involved with the industry. Tons of different opportunities are out there. And then again, it's just, it's just good to see, uh, what's new, what's up and coming and, uh, meet people, right? Cause then, you know, we always talk about like, oh, you know, other agencies are, you know, better than ours or whatever, or must be nice to have this or that. You never know, right? They, we always say that the, the grass isn't greener on the other side. What's well, true, right? So, Sometimes just getting out there and meeting people, you might really just gain a, a whole nother perspective for your agency and just like, hey, man, we really got it good. Or, you know, there is opportunities other places. Maybe we should be applying other places. Maybe we should be trying to kind of level up a little bit more in our current uh, agency or organization. Um, the other thing is, you know, like in, during these um, these uh, conferences, they have like technical programs, right? So it's what it what it is is it's basically like an agency had a problem or an issue or we're looking to like revamp a certain you know type of their op, you know, part of their operation or whatever and so they did a write-up and a presentation that's what the classes are they're, they're basically they're they're um presenting on a pro uh, pro problem or a program that they have and they implemented and uh, these are the results and so um it's kind of cool because anywhere from safety distribution operations treatment stuff um just different types of um you know, operational or uh, strategic techniques um, they talk about. And it's just really cool. So uh, you can learn a lot and at the same time um, just gain a whole nother, I guess, appreciation for the industry. So uh, I urge you guys to try to get in, uh, get involved 
in the uh, in in the industry in regards to like uh, conferences and even your local association. So I've been part of the Monterey Bay Waterworks Association for the last uh, ten years, and uh, past president and then director. And so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's just good to know um, who's out there. Um, networking is huge. Uh, so we can go fast alone, but we can go further together. So uh, I always try to just, you know, try to get involved, and uh, I urge you to do the same. So, all right, we're going to talk about disinfection, okay? So uh, disinfection, all right, and the purpose of disinfection is to kill most microorganisms in water, including essentially all coliform and pathogenic organisms, okay? So those are, those are the disease-causing organisms. There are three methods of disinfection, heat, chemical, and radiation, the destruction of harmful organisms by disinfectants is directly related to water temperature, pH, contact time, concentration of disinfectant applied. Okay, so what that means is um, like in winter months compared to summer months, disinfection can take up, up to twice as long. Okay, because water molecules are moving a little bit slower in the wintertime because uh, it's just, you know, basically water is a little bit more dense because of the cold temperatures. Uh, pH, um, water needs to be at least below 7.5 to be a little bit more uh, active for disinfection. So because that uh, chlorine is an acid, right, so it reacts a little bit better in lower pHs. And then a uh, contact time, how long is the chlorine or is disinfection happening uh, with the water that we're trying to disinfect. And then concentration of disinfectant applied. Um, we're just basically, you know, how much disinfectant are we adding, all right? Is it, you know, milligrams per liter? Um, how much are we adding to the water, okay? And then obviously, like, degree of mixing, uh, if there's a lot of turbidity or, you know, just kind of like th those are all going to play a role in the whole uh, disinfection process. So those are the main ones, water temperature, pH, contact time, and concentration of disinfectant applied, okay? Uh, chlorine is more effective than chloramines, okay? Chloramines is... Uh, uh, chloramination. So chloramines is basically chlorine and ammonia. Well, um, it has a longer lasting residual. You're going to have mono, di, and trichloramines. Okay, di and trichloramines. Just know that they're uh, most volatile, and those are going to give you the taste and odor issues. We'll talk a little bit more about chlor uh, chloramines. Okay, but um, chlorine dose is the amount of chlorine applied to water in order to disinfect bacteria present. Chlorine demand is the difference between the amount of chlorine added to water and the amount of residual chlorine remaining after a given contact time. Chlorine demand may change with dosage, uh, time, temperature, pH, and nature, and amount of impurities in the water. Okay, so chlorine demand, and this is in milligrams per liter, parts per million, equals chlorine dose minus the chlorine residual, okay? Or chlorine dose equals the chlorine demand plus the residual, okay? Uh, chlorine residual is the concentration of chlorine present in water after the chlorine demand has been satisfied, okay? So breakpoint chlorination. Breakpoint chlorination, uh, just to break it down, it's just basically uh, as chlorine is added to water, it reacts with all organic materials present until they are destroyed. Chlorine then reacts with any ammonia present. This reaction creates chloramines, so a combination of chlorine and ammonia, right? There's three stages of chloramines, monochloramines, dichloramines, and trichloramines. As the chlorine dose increases, the chloramines themselves break down and until there is only chlorine present, okay? At this point, chlorine begins to appear as free chlorine residual and the demand is satisfied. It's very hard to visualize something like this, especially chemistry, right? Because we can't see what's going on in the water. So I have a little analogy I use for all my classes about breakpoint chlorination. So we have chlorine soldiers. They're going to battle. They're going to battle with their organics, okay? And so um, we're going to throw our chlorine soldiers into battle, right? So they're going to go to war with organics. As we start to increase the, the chlorine dose or start throwing them in there, that's the dose, right? Um, sending our soldiers to battle. 
the chlorine soldiers are going to uh, react with the ammonia, the organics, the nitrogen, right? Because uh, as we start to break down the organics, uh, ammonia and nitrogen um, kind of show up to the party too, and they want to fight with us too. So we're going to up the chlorine dose. We're going to add more chlorine soldiers to the mix, right? And our chlorine soldiers are just basically going to just like beat up on those organics, the nitrogen, and the ammonia. And we're going to keep upping the dose. We're going to keep throwing chlorine soldiers into the battle until everything's been destroyed. And our chlorine soldiers on the other end saying, hey, I've broken through. I broke through the line, right? We've satisfied the demand. We've won the war, right? So chlorine demand, right, is basically our, our, our soldiers at war, okay? Our chlorine soldiers at war with the organics, the nitrogen, and the ammonia, okay? And so uh, our chlorine residual is basically our chlorine soldiers on the other end saying, hey, I've broken through. Well, they have not uh, broken through unless they've achieved breakpoint, right? So breakpoint is basically they've broken through, they've won the war, they've satisfied the demand, okay? So chlorine dose is our soldiers going to war. Chlorine demand is basically them at war, right, with the organics, nitrogen, ammonia. And then uh, the residual, the chlorine residual, is basically how many soldiers are on the other end after the war has been won, okay? Again, they can't be on the other end unless we've satisfied the demand or we've won the war, okay? So that's my little analogy for... Uh, breakpoint chlorination. Um, so as again, as we um, we will not have a uh, free chlorine residual unless we've achieved breakpoint. Okay, so uh, during um, during the whole disinfection process, chlorine is going to be mixing with the organics, right? Um, the organics is going to start to break down. Ammonia will appear. Okay, so we're going to have we're going to go through all all three phases of uh, uh, chloramines, which is monochloramines, dichloramines, and trichloramines. Okay, remember di and trichloramines. Um, that's just the organics and the nitrogen and ammonia, all that stuff breaking down um, during the disinfection by, by um, uh, I'm sorry, the disinfection um, process. And so uh, those are going to give you the taste and odor issues. Again, it's just a matter of uh, uh, chlorine kind of breaking down all that stuff, right? So um, just know that uh, breakpoint chlorination, again, is after we've satisfied the demand and now we have a free chlorine residual that is available, okay? Chlorine gas. Chlorine gas is available in 150-pound, one-ton cylinders, and rail car. Okay, so chlorine gas is some nasty stuff, right? It used to be used in uh, in war as mustard gas, right? And so, um, yeah, I remember uh, using uh, one-ton cylinders, and uh, some of the old timers would say, "Yeah, I remember getting these one-ton cylinders," and they'd have a stamp on the side of them saying, "You know, uh, 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 chemical of warfare." on the side so they used to use these in like uh in war a long time ago right and so they would uh because because uh, chlorine gas is two and a half times heavier than air so they would what they would do is they would fill the trenches of the the enemy right and as the enemy would inhale the chlorine gas right now we have uh hypochloric uh hydrochloric and hypochlorous acids right that would mix in with the moisture inside our our body or just moisture in general okay with water uh, mixing with the chlorine gas, again, you get uh, hydrochloric and hypochlorous acids, right? And so uh, if that didn't c kill the soldiers, they would stand up and then basically would uh, we'd know where they're at. We'd see them, right? So uh, chlorine gas is uh, greenish yellowish in color. It's two and a half times denser than air. It expands 460 times its size, okay? We have to be fit tested, okay? We have to do uh, go through qualitative, quantitative fit testing uh, and probably a spirometry test uh, yearly too, okay? That's just to make sure that our full face or our half face respirators fit our face, right? And um, and that we know that we're safe when we're in there doing change outs, okay? 
an A kit. An A kit is a treasure chest full of repair parts for a 150 pound cylinder. Okay, and uh, 150 pound cylinder is like these uh, those acetylene bottles or the oxygen bottles that we use for uh, uh, running the torch. Okay, uh, in the shop. And so 150 pound cylinder is uh, always uh, upright vertically, right, with the cylinder valve on top. On the bottom of that uh, cylinder, we're going to have a fusible plug. There's one fusible plug on a 150 pound cylinder. Okay, it melts at 158 to 165 degrees Fahrenheit. The reason why it melts is because if there was a room fire or there was a fire going on around that cylinder, we wouldn't want it to become a bomb and explode, right? So that's that uh, fusible plug, it melts in the center and it off gases or lets go the liquid uh, within the 150 pound cylinder, okay? Again, so that it doesn't explode on an operator or just within the room, okay? Uh, making the, the environment even more dangerous, okay? The only problem with the off gassing is now we have an inhalation hazard, which is not good either, right? For 150 pound cylinders, we have a, a maximum withdrawal rate of 40 pounds per day, okay? So just like uh, we're on a motorcycle, right? And the, that kind of that, that wind chill factors can get really cold. Same thing with the chlorine gas as it's escaping from the, uh, the cylinder when we're drawing it out for uh, disinfection. The faster it pulls out of that that uh, that cylinder, it can become frozen and kind of create like you know crystallize. And uh, if that happens in our regulators or our, um, poly tubing, um, the feed lines, then it could potentially crack our lines and stuff like that. So we say no more than 40 pounds per day. So our gas regulators make sure that no more than 40 pounds per day uh, escapes from the tank on a 150 cylinder. Okay, you always replace the the lead washers on new connections. And if I had that 150 pound cylinder and I flipped it upside down and that valve is now pointing towards the ground, I would get liquid coming out of it. Again, uh, these 150 pound cylinders are filled with liquid chlorine and they off gas on the inside. So I have gas on the top portion of the tank uh, in the upright position. But if I flipped it upside down because of gravity, the liquid will be still at the bottom and I would get liquid coming out of the bottom of the tank. So um, just know that that would be a... Um, Potential test question. Okay, these are all test questions that you would see on a state exam. Just uh, you know, just chlorine gas facts. Okay. Um, so again, uh, chlorine gas is uh, the 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 tanks are filled with liquid. It off gases on the top, on the top of the 150 pound cylinders. There is a chlorine cylinder valve valve between the cylinder valve and the uh, the vacuum regulator is going to be a lead washer we always 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 replace the lead washers on new connections or any type of anytime we have a change out okay the uh, the chlorine gas is then drawn through the vacuum regulator through a vacuum or vacuum hose that goes into the injector okay the injector is basically uh, water going through this uh, uh, the water goes through an injector creates a venturi or like a vacuum action draws the gas into the injector and now we have chlorinated water coming the coming out of the outlet side of the injector and then we can uh, dose it uh, into our uh, discharge line for our wells or our well pumps or into uh, whatever if it's going to go into our tanks or go into our uh, treatment facility or what have you okay um, we use ammonia vapor for leak detection. Okay, ammonia vapor, or um, basically it's a small little bottle. Okay, we just kind of use it like a snoop, like soapy water when we're checking our fittings out in the distribution system, and uh, making sure there's no leaks. So as ammonia vapor mixes with chlorine gas, a white cloud um, kind of forms. It kind of looks like smoke, and so we kind of puff the uh, the ammonia vapor around our fittings, new connections, stuff like that. Uh, we're not pouring the ammonia onto our hoses. We're just kind of puffing the vapors around and make sure that there's no white cloud. Uh, 
Um, leak detectors. Leak detectors should be in the chlorine room at the bottom of the floor or bottom towards the floor. Okay, uh, not up high. Uh, we want them down low in our rooms in the chlorine uh, gas rooms. Okay, uh, again because chlorine gas is two and a half times heavier than air, so leak detectors need to be uh, towards the floor. Okay. Rotometers. Rotometers are used to adjust the chlorine uh, chlorine dosage rate. Okay, so as an operator comes in, uh, goes to the HMI, the human machine interface, which is on the electrical panel, right? Uh, sees what's going on with the well, sees what the flow rate is, then you say, okay, oh, it's running at uh, 1,200 gallons per minute. So I'm going to go 1,200 gallons per minute times 1,440. That's how many minutes are in a day. I get gallons per day. Divide that by a million. Okay, cool. Now I have a million gallons per day. Times it by the 8.34 times it by the dose whatever that dose is in our plant it's going to give us uh pounds pounds per day right because we got chlorine gas we don't need to divide it by a purity or chemical weight right and so that chem that uh that um what do you call it that pounds per day uh usage that we're going to be uh requiring then we're going to set that on our rotometer so the rotometer is just basically a, a small little meter that has like a, a glass tube and it has like a um kind of like little uh like a scale along that uh, glass tube it's just like uh, two pounds per day four pounds per day six pounds per day and there's like a little ball that kind of floats inside as the gas passes through that rotometer and we can adjust that according to whatever the um the feed rate should be um according to our calculations okay so a rotometer is used for that and then uh how do we measure how much chlorine gas is in a 150 cylinder we weigh it okay so our 150 pound cylinders are on scales okay and those scales uh, that information is sent through a 4 to 20 milliamp signal, goes to our uh, our laptops, right? So when we're at home in our jammies, we could see what's going on in, at the uh, at the site and see how much chlorine gas cylinders uh, chlorine gas we have in each one of those cylinders. Okay, so if they, if you see a question that says, how do we determine how much chlorine gas is in a 150 pound cylinder? We weigh it with a scale. All right. Uh, chlorine cylinder changeouts. Are locate uh, the SCBA sh should be located outside of the chlorine room. We never want our SCBAs inside the chlorine room, okay? Because then obviously, if there's a chlorine gas leak, we can't get to our SCBAs. Uh, SCBA stands for self-contained breathing apparatus, okay? And so uh, that's like um, our full-face respirator with a supply tank so that we can breathe, right? Um, when we're doing changeouts, you at least want two people, okay? One person doing the changeout, and then one person as the backup. And so, um, so yeah, so that's uh, that's for doing changeouts, right? Um, lead gasket again needs to be changed out all the time. It goes between your cylinder valve and your uh, gas regulator. Um, let's see the uh, the tank valve on top of the 150 pound cylinder has a quarter turn, so it's 90 degrees to uh, to open. Okay, so it's just a you're not going to be cranking down on this valve on top of the 150 pound cylinder. So it's just one of those like, just quick uh, turn on turn off uh, 90 90 degrees to fully uh, open or fully close. Okay, and that's how we just kind of shut off uh, uh, or isolate the 150 pound cylinders. B kits, uh, B kits are treasure chests used for a uh, one-ton cylinder. Okay, so B kits are used for a one-ton cylinder, and they're just repair parts in case there uh, there was a failure on the one-ton cylinder, a puncture, a valve broken, stuff like that. Uh, maximum safe withdrawal rate for a one-ton cylinder is 400 to 450 pounds per day. There's six fusible plugs, um, three on each end of the one-ton cylinder. They all melt at 158 to 165 degrees Fahrenheit. 
um, there's going to be two valves on uh, one end of the one ton cylinder okay there's going to be a top valve and a bottom valve the top valve has a line that goes inside the one the one ton cylinder and extracts the gas from the inside of the tank again these one ton cylinders are also filled with liquid and it off gases on the top portion of the tank and so that top valve pulls the gas out and the bottom valve pulls the liquid out of the uh, one ton cylinder and that would be the only time we would use a liquid is if we had an evaporator right all right and so uh, we do not rotate the cylinder before installation because those uh, those two valves again one's pulling the liquid from the bottom one's pulling the gas from the top and so if we were to roll those tanks we could potentially get liquid in our gas line which could potentially gum up our uh, vacuum regulator or be inside of our uh, gas tubing which we don't want to do that um, just like on a 150 pound cylinder we always 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 replace the lead washer on new connections and uh, just know that chlorine gas room fires are the most dangerous uh, situation for a chlorine gas leak um, because again those fusible plugs they're going to melt 158 165 degrees fahrenheit now we have inhalation hazards right um, so that's for one ton cylinders okay uh, some other chlorine compounds we have is sodium hypochlorite, okay? Uh, a little bit stronger than household bleach. It's 12.5% uh, free available chlorine. We can get it in different types of uh, purity or percentages, right? But uh, most common is 12.5% free available chlorine. It increases the pH. It's made with caustic soda and gaseous chlorine. It's sold as a liquid and used at, and it's also it's used as an oxidizer and disinfectant, okay? It could be delivered by truckload or by tote. It can degrade over time and it's injected into the water supply with a hypochlorinator okay it also um it's safer than gas um more expensive and less reliable than gas though okay um i guarantee you there's probably way more uh chlorine gas um i'm sorry uh sodium hypochlorite um accidents than there is going to be with uh, chlorine gas with chlorine gas um it's super dangerous stuff right and so um Anyone that works around chlorine gas uh, respects the hell out of it, right? But with the sodium hypochlorite stuff, ah, we don't need the PPEs or ah, we don't need the the, the gloves or the full face shield, right? And, and what happens is as operators, we get a little lax when we're dealing with this stuff. So um, there's going to be more accidents with sodium hypochlorite just because we take it for granted. Um, but it can't hurt you. So uh, make sure you got your PPEs, right? Full face shield, you know, maybe a rubber apron, rubber gloves, okay? All that good stuff. Uh, calcium hypochlorite, okay, so calcium hypochlorite is HTH, HTH stands for what? That's right, high test hypochlorite, okay, uh, free available chlorine um, within calcium hypochlorite is about 65%, okay, 65%, and those are going to be the uh, the tablets, the granulars, or the powder, okay, it's all also made with gaseous chlorine and milk lime, okay, so this would be the solids, so there's a, a chlorine gas, right, a chlorine liquid, and chlorine solid which is the uh, calcium hypochlorite right um, you can also have on-site generation of chlorine okay so some uh, agencies out there use a, a brine solution or salt water okay you mix it with uh, um, see that brine solution goes into a uh, electrolyzer okay we electric uh, electrocute the uh, salt water and now we have a um, a chlorine solution okay so it depends on whatever purity you're looking for you can achieve that i know a lot of agencies just go for like a 0.8 percent solution and uh yeah and they have their chlorine you go straight into the uh, uh well discharge uh, assembly uh, for chlorination of the well okay so um on-site generation of chlorine 
Um, AWWA 652 disinfection of water storage facilities. There's three different methods. Okay, um, just know that we can uh, we could dose it at 10 milligrams per liter for 24 hours um, using 12.5% sodium hypochlorite. Okay, uh, we could also do a 200 part spray, so 200 part per million spray for 30 minutes um, using sodium hypochlorite also. And we can also do a third uh, option or method, which is uh, 50 parts per million at 5% of the tank capacity for six hours. So we fill up the tank capacity for about 5% uh, at 50 parts per million, hold it for six hours, then fill to the overflow um, and let it sit for 24 hours. And that's also using 12.5% uh, sodium hypochlorite. Okay? The AEWWA C651 uh, standard also says use whatever dose you need that will produce a no positive coliform result. So after we do our inspection, we take our tank down offline, we do our inspection, and we're going to go put it back in service. We have to disinfect it. Okay, so we can use one of those three methods. Uh, again, it's AEWWA C652's disinfection of storage facilities is where you're going to find the disinfection methods. Okay. Um, disinfection of wells, there's a couple different options um, just based on uh, casing size okay, and um, calcium hypochlorite or sodium hypochlorite usage. Uh, the minimum chlorine residual is going to be 50 milligrams per liter. Okay? And that's going to be AWWA C654 disinfection of wells. Okay? Um, other forms of chlorine would be uh, chloramines. Okay? Um, we talked about that uh, just briefly is that we said that chlorine mixed with aquamonia NH3 to water. Okay, we're going to do a ratio of three, four, or five parts of chlorine to one part of ammonia. Chloramines are uh, uh, chloramination. Okay, chloramines uh, is not are, are not as effective as free available chlorine residual, but it does not produce as many THMs, total trihalomethanes. Those are carcinogens, right? Those are disinfection byproducts. We're going to use the DPD uh, and colorimeter um, test to check the uh, total residual. Or maybe we have uh, reagentless uh, probes as well. Chloramines also la um, have the longest-lasting form of chlorine. Okay, and so nitrification is caused by the mixture of chlorine and ammonia uh, present in water uh, from organics or from ammonia addition to water. So if we overfeed ammonia into our uh, into our system, we can have nitrification issues, and uh, we don't want that. Okay, uh, chlorine dioxide. Chlorine dioxide is the most uh, must be generated on site. Uh, one part chlorine to two parts sodium chloride. Um, it does not maintain a residual, but it is the strongest form of chlorine, okay? Chlorine dioxide. Disinfection influencers, okay? So uh, again, we kind of said that the uh, pH, water temperature, all that stuff uh, can influence disinfection process. Um, but um, just to kind of go over it one more time, concentration of chlorine, so higher chlorine concentration equals faster and more complete disinfection. Time of chlorine contact, the longer the chlorine is in contact with water, equals a more effective disinfection process. The pH of water, uh, so the lower the pH uh, equals hypochlorous acids, a powerful disinfectant. Or the higher the pH, hypochlorite ions, a weaker disinfectant. So we want a lower pH when we're disinfecting. Okay, Best results, pH should be lower than 7.5. And uh, water temperature, uh, chlorine requires more time in colder waters, and chlorine requires less time in warmer waters. So from summer, uh, summer to winter months, disinfection may take twice as long. The degree of mixing, uh, mixing of chlorine into water must be, must be rapid and thorough, and equal, uh, uh, equal must, must touch all waters to kill all organisms. So um, if we're going to send water into our uh, clear well after uh, filtration, 
um, we're going to want that clear well to have baffles or some kind of uh, mixing uh, m m like mechanical or mechanism to make sure that that water is mixed in thoroughly with uh, chlorine because if it's not mixing with the chlorine then we're not going to just have a, we're, we're not going to have disinfected water right it's just going to be just kind of slugs of chlorine here and there throughout our, our finished water so we're going to make sure that we get that stuff mixed in there really good clarity of water so rem uh, remove as much suspended particles or turbidity as possible and organisms hide within turbidity so uh, mud or trash so um, if we can get rid of all that stuff through filtration or coagulation flocculation sedimentation filtration um, we're going to reduce the amount of suspended particles and our disinfection process will be a lot more effective presence of active chemicals so if there's a lot of chemicals in the water then it's going to um, kind of slow down the whole disinfection process okay chemicals present in water can react with the chlorine during disinfection uh, and equal uh, poor disinfectant solutions example would be like ammonia present creates uh, chloramines and it's a weaker solution versus like the free available chlorine and then points of chlorine application so proper uh, place placement of a, a disinfection is important for contact time and mixing quality okay so those are the disinfection influencers, okay? Uh, three types of chlorine residuals. You have a free, combined, and total. So free chlorine residual is just free, uh, free available chlorine residual. Includes chlorine in the form of hypochlorous acids and hypochlorite ions, okay? Hypochlorous acid is most effective disinfectant form of chlorine. So if we're just adding chlorine, whether it's uh, sodium hypochlorite, calcium hypochlorite, or chlorine gas, uh, we are just testing for a free chlorine residual, okay? Combined residual, a combined available chlorine residual includes that chlorine in the three chloramine forms, so monochloramines, dichloramines, and trichloramines, okay? That's if we're using chlorine and ammonia. We're doing chloramination, okay? Uh, or using chloramines, right? Um, and we're just testing for the three forms of chloramines. That's a combined residual. And a total residual is the total chlorine residual is the sum of the free residual and the combined residual. So this is us testing for the free available chlorine and the monochloramines, the dichloramines, and the trichloramines. That's a total chlorine residual. So that's basically how much of the free residual, how much just chlorine, and how much mono, di, and trichloramines do we have. That's the total residual. All right, that's disinfection for you in a nutshell. Okay, that will keep it to uh, 30 minutes for today. Um, I hope you guys had uh, uh, enjoyed that one, right? Uh, and listen to me on that whole networking stuff, right? Get out there, see see where the conference is at, see where there's other classes going on. Um, level up, right? We've got to start up to level up and uh, just uh, take a little bit more pride in the work that we do. Um, get involved, um, see what opportunities are out there, and then go after them, right? No excuses. All right, peace. Peace.